Hello, Fight fans. Welcome to episode number 173 of The Neutral Corner. I am your host, Michael Montero, for Boxing Monthly Magazine and BoxingMonthly.com. I got a great show for you guys today on Memorial Day. Uh, you look, it's a holiday. There's not too much boxing news going on, but there's always something to discuss, right? Uh, we had a great feel-good story this past weekend here in boxing, particularly in the United States, uh, as, a, as a former Marine won a world title. That's too damn cool. Myself, I don't know how many of you guys are aware of this. I'm a former Marine, so uh, that meant a lot to me. Joel O just pledged $20 on Super Chat. Dude, thank you so, so much. That helps me out so much, guys. Uh, Joel O, he just kicked it off. Before I can even give you guys the news, uh, Super Chat. We have Super Chat turned on now for the live videos here on MOB. So every Monday we give you uh, TNC live here on YouTube, the video, and then you guys know from there, the audio podcast goes out everywhere podcasts are uh, heard. But while you're here watching live, if you want to tip the show, uh, you can do it right here live on Super Chat. So Joel, I can't thank you enough, dude. You are the first and I, I sincerely, sincerely thank you from the bottom of my heart, brother. Thank you so much, guys. Uh, before I get started into some news and notes, uh, this is TNC 173 for the week of Saturday, June 1st. June is almost here, guys. Can you freaking believe it? This year is almost halfway done. And you know what happens this June? I turn 40. <laughs> I turn 40 years old on June 13th. June 13th. Um, so I, that's blowing my mind right now. Uh, they say as, as you approach 40 years old, you start to feel your mortality. You start to think about things differently. You start to process things differently. I got to say, that shit is very, very true. And I don't know if it's because I moved way across the other side of the world or if it's just because I just became an uncle this year. My baby sister just had a kid uh, and she's getting married later this year. I just bought my first house. I just bought my first brand new car. Well, that was technically last year, but a lot of things happening. It's just, it's blowing my mind. Plu, $9.99. Thank you so much, dude, for, uh, for the super chat contribution. So guys, uh, I, I can't thank you enough for it. every little bit. Again, I know I'm gonna beat a dead horse here. Every single bit that I get from you guys, whether it's through Patreon or buying t-shirts or here on super chat, I roll it all back into the channel. And um, just a little more behind the scenes real quick. I've been talking to a few folks who do some, some of the other podcasts. Voseo uh, Tijuana, I've been talking to those guys. I've been talking to uh, the guys who do Ringside Reporter. Just some of the different setups that they use uh, with the live feed, call-in feature, which you guys know I'm trying to get. Well, turns out all that shit costs money. And there's kind of like a starter pack medium size and the professional level. And you guys know I'm going for the professional level. I want to get the, bit, the best equipment, the biggest and baddest equipment to make this show awesome. Joel Morgan, dude, thank you so much. Guys, I, the super chat already, you guys are, are chipping in. And I, I, I'm just going to, I'm going to keep repeating myself. I can't thank you enough. It means so much to me that you guys care enough that number one, that you're watching me blab into my phone about boxing on Memorial Day. I know you guys are hanging with friends and family and doing that kind of stuff right now. And to be here watching the show and then to care enough to contribute to the cause. I mean, 
I'm trying not to get emotional right here, but seriously, I can't thank you enough. So thank you so much, guys. Um, okay, so the fee for this episode, you guys know I do a fee every week for every episode. It was going to be two things. One was going to be to break the news and tell you guys about the super chat thing. But already we've had a few of you, a few of you guys have already broken the news for me. So thank you. Uh, also, I, I want to tell you guys uh, next Next, next Saturday, not this Saturday, but the following Saturday, June 8th, I'm going to do my first live fight party. Haven't done one in a while. So my first in a while for Triple G Rolls. That'll be June 8th. So just want to get the word out there. Make sure you spread the word too. That is your fee for this week. Spread the word about that. Let's have fun. Let's have a party for the return of the big drama show. Now look, not the best fight, not the best matchup. It's a catchweight. I can't stand catchweights. I get it. Okay. But few different things. It is the return of Gennady Golovkin, one of the best fighters in the world. That's news. It is his debut on the zone. That's news. DS Kennels just contributed through Super Chat. That's news too. Thank you so much, DS Kennels. Can't thank you enough, man. Uh, but the Golovkin fight, Golovkin rolls is the weekend before my birthday. It's the weekend before I turn 40 years old. 40 freaking years old. And I'm actually going to be with my cousin, Ricky. He's turning 40. He turns 44 days before me. His birthday is June 9th. Mine is June 13th. We're going to be at my friend Greg's house. His birthday is a few weeks after ours. We're going to be doing like a collective birthday celebration. Okay. Alex Soros, $10 on, uh, for, on Super Chat. Dude, thank you so much, guys. Man, Devin Cruz just contributed through Super Chat. You guys are freaking awesome. Wow. You guys just, you know, are helping me. I was going to say pay for my doors, <laughs> but no, you're helping me. Um, look, if I get the software that I want to get for the show, uh, what I'm thinking is the software I want to buy that is, um, it's kind of like a studio on my computer and I'll be able to do graphics on the screen. I'll be able to do split screens. I'll be able to show clips while I'm speaking. I'll be able to basically run a TV studio on the laptop. Now, of course, I got to learn how to use that shit, but uh, it costs a lot of money and it's a monthly fee. And then I have to pay for the phone service for you guys to call in. That's a monthly fee. So I'm going to be paying hundreds of dollars a month just to run the show I want to run. And that's on top of all the equipment. I've got two laptops here. I've got a microphone. I've got a mixer. I've got all kinds of stuff happening. That shit costs money. So you guys, every, every little bit that you contribute, is contributing to the show. So you guys are honestly, every time you do that, you're literally part of the show. You're part of Montero Unboxing. How freaking cool is that? Okay, I feel like I've been talking for 10 minutes and we haven't even got to any news and notes. I'm just so excited. Just wanna remind you guys, Golovkin Rolls, June 8th. I wanna say thank you to everybody so far that's, that's helped out through Super Chat. I wanna say thank you to everybody that's watching. We got Barrios on here. We got Sarah's on here. Mario's on here. Oh, guys, you're awesome. All right, let's hit some news and notes real quick. Fight review, fight preview, and then we'll get to some questions, okay? Whatever you guys wanna talk about. Uh, so I'll, I'll plow through some of these, but not a whole lot of news. Wilder Brazil, I think you guys have probably already seen this, but the ratings, Peaked at just under a million viewers, slightly down from his fight with Ortiz, slightly up from his rematch with Stavern, no surprise there. Some people were disappointed with that rating. But here's the deal. The knockout 
Wilder knocking out Brazil, that went freaking viral, right? That there was millions of millions of shares of, of GIFs and JPEGs and all kinds of funny memes from that knockout. So it doesn't even freaking matter that less than a million people watched the fight live. What matters is that the result of the fight, yes, and he was fighting Brazil, let's not get carried away here, but the result of that fight went viral. And there were millions of views of the knockout. So from that perspective, probably really, really good ratings, right? Okay, uh, also, Tony Yoka, undefeated heavyweight prospect, signs a managerial contract with James Prince. I'm not crazy about this signing. Uh, James Prince is a shady character. If you don't believe me, just Google James Prince Floyd Mayweather guns and see what comes up. Uh, there is, there's some shadiness with this dude. I don't know why Tony Yoko would sign with him. Uh, just not the best move in the world, in my opinion. But we'll see what happens. Also, Daniel Franco, remember him, a fighter that suffered brain damage in the ring, formerly fought under Rock Nation Sports. He is officially suing Jay-Z and Rock Nation, uh, saying that the brain injuries were really as a result of their negligence. They sent him out to fight three times within 79 days. Guys, do the math. Three times in less than three months. This wasn't in some other country. This was here in the United States where I know California, for example, will put you on suspension after a fight. They won't even let you fight within a certain time frame. Uh, several commissions do that. And Rock Nation, according to Daniel Franco, pushed him to fight after he had had some injuries and some trouble uh, and wanted to take some time in between fights. They pushed him to fight. And of course, that third fight in 79 days, he uh, suffered injuries that almost killed him and changed his life forever. So I, I think at some point he's going to get something out of this uh, lawsuit because how in, the, how in your right mind do you send a guy out three fights in 79 days, particularly if he's had injuries and such? Okay, so that's it with news and notes, honestly. Um, not a whole lot to talk about right now. Holiday weekend. Let's see what you guys have here for questions. And, um, oh man, a bunch of you guys are on here. LR Chiga asks, did I watch Canizales versus Kimura? I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen that Chinese card yet, but I'm going to talk about it. I saw the results. Um, I know Canizales won, and won pretty one-sided from, from what I saw or what I heard. Uh, let's see, Rene Salcido. Michael, who are your four choices for the Mount Rushmore of boxing? All, all time, dude? Like, all time? I, I don't know if I can even think. There's so many fighters to consider, and if I can only think of four, like, all time, that's tough. But, uh, man, just off the top of my head, I got to go with Pep. I got to go with him. I got to go with Robinson. Uh, so those are two. Um, man, where do I go with, I'm going to go Joe Lewis for number three and maybe, um, man, uh, Roberto Duran, number four, just off the top of my head, uh, man, four all time. That's hard. Narrow it down, dude. Four heavyweights, four middleweights, narrow it down. That's a lot easier. I'd have to, for four ever, I'd have to really think about that. Sarah asks, uh, how do I see William, where do I rank? Williams at 154, and how do I see the rematch with hers? So you're talking about Julian Williams. Right now, you got to rank Julian Williams at number one at 154. I had Jarrett Hurd as number one. He beat Jarrett Hurd pretty soundly. So I got him number one. I got Hurd number two. 
uh, Harrison three, Charlo four, Mungia five. That's how I see the, the 154 uh, division right now. And I think Williams beats Hurd again in the rematch. I think Charlo's going to beat Harrison in their rematch. And then I want to see Williams and Charlo fight for all the marbles. I hope that's what we get. But yeah, that rematch is going to be great. I think anytime J-Rock and Hurd fight just because of their style matchup, it's always going to be a good fight. They just match so well. Uh, Joel. Yeah, Joel told me. Yeah, Joel, he's just talking about how he emailed me about the t-shirts and we were talking about Super Chat. So it was Joel who kind of kicked me in the ass to get the Super Chat going. Thank you so much, man. It actually, I thought it'd be really hard to turn it on. It was, it was pretty easy. So I'm starting to get better with this technology thing. Uh, Sarah asked, what do I see Ruiz doing uh, the most? In a f what does he have to do, I think, in order to win? How do I see him going for the upset? So I assume you're talking about Andy Ruiz and um, Anthony Joshua. I'll talk about that later on in the show. But uh, Renee Salcedo asked, you get erectile dysfunction at 40. Nah, bro, I'm still operating like a 20-year-old son. Just ask Tiffany. <laughs> <laughs> probably shouldn't have said that but yeah so far no problems man hey you stay in shape you eat good the plumbing still works no problem let's see Renee says he likes Ruiz in an upset I don't know man I, I just I can't see that um <laughs> Sarah's on but it's actually her man Miguel chatting for her Joe e Joe asked uh, ESPN reporter Dan Raphael posted a PayPal tip jar for people to send him money doesn't he get paid enough? Did he really do that? If he did, he's getting a salary, like an actual salary from ESPN. And I know they've re-upped his salary once or twice. So, uh, dude, if, if, if you're trolling, good troll. But if you're not trolling, wow, I don't know. Because it's not like Raphael does anything but write articles for ESPN. He doesn't do anything on the side of that. Like when I'm doing, he, I guess he does a chat with his readers, but that's on ESPN. He doesn't do anything privately from home. Not that I know of. LR Chiga says, Rolls is a pretty bad opponent though. Yeah, he is. But then again, maybe he's unknown. Maybe he's better than we think. Personally, I think he's probably going to take Golovkin rounds because he is undefeated. He's never lost. And Golovkin is coming off a huge layoff. He's a little bloated. And I don't know if he's as hungry as he once was. So um, we'll see. Joel asked, Montero, what's up on my t-shirts? You said you have two in stock. I never heard back from you. Joel, I'm sorry, man. I was putting in doors all weekend. I haven't even checked my emails this weekend. So I got to get to them. Um, my dad came down to help me and he literally just left this afternoon. So I'm just catching up. But I am out of extra large. So I don't know if you want to get large. We'll chat. I'll get back to you, I promise. Uh, let's see. More questions, more questions. Oh, this thing keeps updating. Okay, <laughs> so you guys are funny, man. I love this chat. <clears throat> Diaz Kennels asked, didn't Franco fight in Mexico while he was on suspension? I think one of those fights was in Mexico and I think that's the fight he won. I think he won one fight in between and that was in Mexico. Uh, looks like Brendan, hold on, hold on, hold on. Brendan from Champagne just contributed on Super Chad. He asked if Katie Taylor, first of all, thank you, Brendan. I can't thank you enough. Thank you very, very much. And he asked if Katie Taylor becomes undisputed this weekend, 
Should she seek Cecilia Bracus, then Amanda Sarando, or Amanda Sarando, then Cecilia Bracus? Okay, so the way this should go, and I'm going to talk about this more later in the show, but I want to get to you right away because you had a question with, uh, with your pledge. Um, I think that should she be successful this weekend, go after Serrano first. Serrano in America first, in the New York area, somewhere in there, that's on the zone, it's in New York, it makes sense, right? Uh, do that and you know, Hearn's trying to do his American promotion thing. DeBella's been promoting Serrano for a while, he's New York based, I think that would do very, very well there. In fact, they could maybe try to do a similar thing to what, um, to what Clarissa Shields and Christina Hammer did, where they're headlining a small card. I think they could do that. Then, should she be successful against Serrano, then you go after Brekus. And of course, that fight will be over in Europe, probably in the UK. And that's a big dollar, a big fight for female boxing. That is a big fight over there. And it's the biggest fight, if all these things line up, it would be the biggest fight in female boxing history, period. It would be, it would be for the number one pound for pound spot. And it would be the first lady of boxing. You know, everyone considers Cecilia Brekus the best female fighter alive right now. Katie Taylor would be moving up two weight divisions to fight her because she's a lightweight currently. That would be huge. But go through Serrano first, then Brekus. And I'm telling you, man, if she can do that, she's the most accomplished female fighter ever. Period. Endo story. Uh, let's see what else here. Joel O says, Jay Prince is like the Suge Knight of the boxing world. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. In music, Jay Prince was the Suge Knight of the South. Very, very true. Again, there's all kinds of stories about that dude. Why Tony Yoko would sign with him, I couldn't tell you. Anthony Rafter says, uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens next with Gary Russell. Not too often you see fighters call out Uncle Al. Yeah, yeah. And you know what, man? We've all been bashing the shit out of Gary Russell for years, myself included, because of his lack of activity. Turns out, it seems anyway, if you kind of read between the lines here, turns out it's probably all Uncle Al. Gary Russell wants the fights. And if you think about it, he did fight Lomachenko. Although Lomachenko at that time had lost to uh, Salido, so, you know, it's hard to say because it, he might have looked like easy pickings, you know, at that time. I don't know. Uh, Devin Cruz, who do you think will have the better end of career run, Golovkin or Kovalev? That's a good question, man, because Kovalev looked done. I mean, he was in a scrap heap and then came back and uh, had that big win against Alvarez. But can he follow it up? Does he beat Anthony Yard? Then does he go from there and unify titles? If he does that, that's a hell of a comeback from Kovalev. For Golovkin, it's kind of the same thing, like... If he fights Canelo a third time, I feel he's probably going to lose. That's my guess anyway, but who knows? If he beats Canelo in a third fight, that's massive, right? But even if he loses to Canelo, moves up to 168, and wins titles there, unifies titles or does something, that's big. At this point, though, dude, it's hard to say. Right now, Kovalev's got to be trending higher because of his last win, although... There's delays with this Anthony Yard situation, and I need to get that worked out. Hopefully, Kovalev fights Kovalev and Yard. That fight is sooner rather than later, so that Kovalev can fight three times this year. If, if, this is a huge if, if Kovalev beats Yard late this summer, early fall, and then at the very end of the year fights 
Beterbiev or one of those guys and unifies titles. Three fights this year, wins all three of those fights. He's the 2019 fighter of the year. And that's going to really, really trigger some people. But he would have earned it. Chris Marinoff asks, what do I think about Devin Haney? Is he the goods? Yeah, he's the goods. I did a story on him uh, in Ring Magazine recently, a few months back. So go back and find that. Check it out. It should be on the website by now. A few months after the magazine's been out, sometimes you can find the articles posted online. But uh, check out that article. I definitely think he's the goods, man. Uh, Joel Morgan says, we all know Pacquiao is already an all-time great, but if he gets by Thurman at 40 years old, there's that number again, 40, <laughs> uh, and looks decent doing it, does that put him top 10 or so all-time? It puts him in the discussion, man. And again, that would really, really trigger some people. But here would be, the, what the detractors could say is that, well, Thurman hasn't been active. Thurman fought, what, three times in three years, three times in four years, whatever the hell it's been. So, uh, so the win against Thurman isn't that impressive. However, to me, I mean, I would say, who gives a shit? He's being a, a kid in his physical prime that's the number one rated welterweight by many, at least in the top three by just about everyone, at 40 years old. I mean, that's huge, right? That's, that's obviously huge. So yeah, if he looks really good doing it, it changes the discussion with Pacquiao. It truly, truly does. LR Chiga asked, did I see that Huey Fury farce of a fight? You know what? I didn't. I didn't see it. Um, you know, and that, that just tells you kind of what I think of Huey Fury right now. It just, yeah. If he fights someone and it matters, okay, I'll pay attention. Not right now. Rene Salcedo says, uh, John L. Sullivan, Jack Johnson, J Julio Cesar Chavez Sr., I'm assuming, and Mike Tyson. Hey, man, if that's your Mount Rushmore, I ain't going to hate on that. That's a pretty damn solid Mount Rushmore. Tommy Bosale from Montreal says, Sup, Montero, you got the best podcast in the boxing game. Keep it going. Thank you so much, brother. And one day, I'm going to get up to the Montreal. I can't wait to see that part of Canada. It's one of the few parts of Canada I haven't seen I'd love to check it out. I hear, correct me if I'm wrong, Tommy, but I hear Toronto is the New York of Canada, of course. Vancouver is the Seattle of Canada. And then I hear that Montreal is like the Boston of Canada. Is there any validity, any truth to that? Let me know. That's, that's what I hear in terms of architecture and just the feel of the city. Kind of curious what you think of that. Left Hook Chronicles, what's up, you guys? More Canadians, what's up? Uh, glad to have you guys on. Uh, do I think the Callum Smith, Hassam, Endam is a good matchup to sell a future with Smith versus Canelo in the mind of boxing fans? I doubt about this. So I'll talk more about that matchup uh, later in the episode. But, you know, styles make fights. The thing with Endam, he's always competitive. He gets dropped, he gets back up, and keeps on fighting. He's going to be just competitive enough to make Smith look like a machine. I think Smith is going to beat the brakes off him and um, look really, really good. I don't know if he stops him, but he should score multiple knockdowns and dominate. And if he calls out Canelo and we get people heated up to that fight at some point, I think we'll see it. Of course, we're going to get Canelo Golovkin before that. Uh, obviously, that's what's going to happen. But if Canelo and Golden Boy want to take the show on the road and go to the UK and fight Callum Smith, 
that's a big fight over there, dude. That's a big event. And anytime Canelo fights, it's obviously a huge event in Mexico. Uh, it's a huge event here in America, particularly with Mexican-American fans. So that's a global kind of event. And I'm, I'm pretty sure they're going to start building that up. Don't be surprised. Callum Smith is probably going to call out Canelo this weekend after that fight. Um, Priyash Ramesh asks, do I think Canelo versus Triple G3 is going to happen in September in Mexico at Azteca Stadium? That would be a hard sell for Golovkin. I don't know. Um, it's possible. It's absolutely possible. But Golovkin already had reservations about fighting in Vegas, which he feels is Canelo's backyard. But in Vegas, he got extra money. He can demand more money, so he's more willing to go to Vegas because it, Golovkin's made it clear. He's going for the money at this point in his career. Would Golden Boy and Team Canelo take a smaller uh, split of the purse to entice Golovkin to go down to Mexico City? Maybe, you know, do something crazy like a 50-50 split or something. If they made some kind of gesture like that, then yeah, I could see Golovkin going down there. But um, I, I just, I don't know, man. I, I think it's probably, sadly, going to go back to Vegas. That is my prediction. I'd love to be wrong. I would love for that fight to come to New York, to come to, uh, to Texas, or even uh, Stadio Azteca. I think that would be really, really cool. That might be one that I'd, I'd, make, I'd take the trip down to Mexico for. I think that would be an amazing event that I'd love to see. Um... Joel asked, who did Thurman hire to help him in his fight against Pacquiao? Thurman said he added two professional trainers for this fight. I'm not sure. Um, I, honestly, I had, you know, honestly, I haven't really dug much into the Thurman Pacquiao fight quite yet. I'm not as, as juiced up and as excited for it quite yet as you guys are. So I haven't even started calling people and talking to people in the camps or anything like that yet. I'll get there. I'll get there. I'm just more excited for these fights coming up in June first. You know what I'm saying? So I'm digging into that. I'm researching that. I haven't even talked to anybody remotely connected with the Thurman side yet. I will. I promise. But yeah, I haven't heard. Hopefully, uh, hopefully Keith isn't training at LA Fitness like he did for his last fight, apparently. DS Kennels 210. His Mount Rushmore is Tito Trinidad, Chavez, Gotti, Sweet Pea. Damn, bro. That's solid. That's solid because you got some style there. You got some mean body punching. You got some balls to the wall heart. And you got some defensive skills. You put all four of those dudes together, you might have the perfect fighter of all time. So uh, that's a pretty good Mount Rushmore. Maybe that's what we should go for. If we're going to call out our Mount Rushmore, best four fighters ever, if you could blend four fighters together to make the perfect super fighter, that changes that conversation. We'd probably get some good, uh, good matches that way. So yeah, let me hear them. Drop them, guys. Your Mount Rushmore, if you could put four boxers together to construct the perfect boxer ever, who would your four fighters be? Let's see. Prime TV says he's probably making like 50K salary. You're probably talking about Dan Raphael. It's more than that, but you know, he ain't getting rich. <laughs> Sarah asked, uh, do I see J-Rock as a complete boxer? Uh, pretty damn complete. There's always a couple things you could do better. It comes down to styles. For Hurd's style, it plays in perfectly to what Williams wants to do. 
For Charlo's style, that's different. So styles make fights. Against a guy that fights like Hurd, if J-Rock is on his, his game and he's focused, he's always going to look good. He's always going to look real good. Okay, so... Um, <laughs> MJB Taco says, got to have XLs for us fatties. <laughs> he's talking about the MOB t-shirts. Oh, man. Okay, let me catch up. Where am I at on this chat? Oh, we got another super chat. Vlad Rodacek, thank you very, very much. Thank you so much, man. I didn't even see that on here. I'm so behind. This chat is going nuts. There's a lot of you guys on here. So thank you very, very much. Let me see. Did you have a question? No, you just contributed. Man, thank you very, very much. Okay, guys, let's get to the review real quick. Um, none of these fights last weekend were great. None of these fights were huge. But there was some important stuff that happened, okay? Saturday, May 25th, Kissimmee, Florida, top rank on ESPN. The feel-good story of the weekend, and one of the real true feel-good stories of the year in all of boxing, Jamel Herring, fighting Marine, former Marine, wins uh, Masayuki Ito's WBO 130-pound title. Uh, Ten years to the day, he lost his daughter. He wins that title. How amazing is that? Scores were 118, 110 twice, 116, 112. And that pretty much reflects what happened in the ring. It was pretty one-sided, not exactly scintillating fight of the year type stuff, but some great skills. And Herring really won this fight just on his jab. He stuck to a game plan all night long, uh, would not break from it, and did a great job. Everything came together for him on this night. It all just worked out for him. He put it all together. How could you not be so happy for this guy? It was just awesome. And that's, stuff like that is why we watch the damn sport because sometimes you, you just you see great things like this. And again, I'm a former Marine. Like I told you guys last week, I'm not, I'm supposed to be uh, unbiased and just you know give it to you straight down the middle. I, 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 inside in my heart, I was pulling for this guy as a former Marine. It's just, it's just such a cool thing. So anyway, um, he wins the WBO title. Miguel Burchelt was there. He wants to unify with his WBC title. So if I'm hearing, I'm going to demand that top rank give me an optional defense in my hometown. He can go back to his hometown. I think that's Long Island, New York. Do a defense there. And then... Go after Burchelt maybe at the end of this year, early next year. But have that one defense, have the homecoming, all that good stuff, celebration kind of thing, then go for Burchelt. Burchelt is going to be a heavy favorite in that fight, and he should be. But, of course, Herring has a chance. You always have a chance. But now that he's won this title, I hope Bob Arum, top rank, I hope they do the right thing. And let him have that one defense at home, and then you go for the big fish. You go to Unify. Every champion should have that one optional voluntary defense before you go up against the big dogs. Also on this card, uh, Jose Pedraza scores a TKO9 win in the co-main. Carlos Quadras won on the undercard as well. So that was in Florida. Now in Mississippi, in Biloxi, Mississippi, PBC on Fox Sports 1. Main event. Horrible decision. Horrible, horrible decision. Austin Trout had a draw with Terrell Goucher. Everybody and their mother knows Goucher won this fight, and it wasn't even really close. 
I think it was a 10 rounder. It was pretty much eight rounds to two, seven rounds to three, kind of in there. Uh, most scored it that way. One of the judges scored it uh, nine rounds to one for Goucher. And I ain't even mad at that score. It was pretty much an eight to two type of fight, right? John Dixon, first night scoring fights. He scored seven fights. His first night ever judging fights, ever. And he didn't judge one fight. He judged seven, including the main event. The Mississippi Commission has no idea what the fuck they are doing. A guy, his first night scoring fights ever as a professional judge scores seven fights. I don't care if it's seven four round fights, that's one thing, but seven fights, including the main event, somehow gave six rounds to Trout. Bill Hunter, who does have some experience, had it five five, so it is a draw. What's so funny is Trout is calling for the rematch. He knows he lost. Goucher, for, for what it's worth, says, no, I won this fight. I don't want to run it back again. I'm moving on. I don't blame him. Oxon Hill, Maryland, match room on the zone. Devin Haney scores a KO7 win. Looked fantastic. Yes, level of opposition is what it is. Looked fantastic. He's ready for a title shot. Eddie Hearn tried to get him a title shot, but Bob Arum, a top rank, kind of outmaneuvered him. They wanted to go after Luke Campbell. It's going to be Lomachenko going after Luke Campbell for, I think, the WBC lightweight title. Uh, Haney's going to have to wait, but he's ready. Uh, also, Michael Hunter, TKO2 win, and undefeated heavyweight out of Croatia, Flip Hergovic, or Filip Hergovic, six foot six out of Croatia, uh, was 25 and four in a World Series of Boxing, and he's now 8 0 as a professional TKO1 win. Uh, Sunday, May 26th in Fusao, China. Shu Khan scored a TKO6 win over Shun Kubo. Defends his WBA, his version of the WBA featherweight title. In Venezuelan, Carlos Canizales scores a unanimous decision win over Sho Kimura to defend his WBA uh, junior flyweight title. Okay, so that is it for the review. Let's get back to some questions real quick, and then we'll preview what we got coming up this week. Okay, DS Kennels asks, Haney versus Teofimo Lopez, who wins right now? Right now, I'm going to go with Lopez. There's just a little extra dimension there. However, a couple years from now, man, you know what? I might go back on my word here. I'm just thinking Haney right now is at 35. Lopez is at 130. Haney's a little naturally bigger. I just, I still get the sense that Haney's still developing. I think that even with the extra weight, even moving up in weight a little bit, I think I'd pick Teofimo Lopez to beat Haney right now. A couple years from now, though, I think Haney's going to develop more and develop more of that slick defensive style to nullify Lopez. Oh, you guys are saying, did Lopez move up? All right. You guys, a couple of you guys said that uh, Lopez, oh, you know what? What am, I, what am I saying? He is at 135. I'm losing my freaking mind. Sorry, guys. I'm, I'm, yeah. T. Fimo Lopez is at 135 right now. So is Devin Haney. I'm losing my mind. He's going to move up eventually to 140. So anyway, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was never at 130. I'm sorry, guys. For some reason, I was thinking of Javante Davis. Uh, I don't know why Javante Davis entered my brain. But Tiafima Lopez, that's why I love doing a show live so you guys can correct me. In the past, when I made a mistake like that and posted it, 
there'd be 100 comments all week long saying, Mike, you got this wrong. Now you guys can correct me on the spot. I love it. Uh, yes, Teofimo Lopez at 35 and Haney at 35. Lopez is the naturally bigger guy who will be at 140 by next year. Haney will probably be at 35 for another year or so. At least that's what he told me. That's what he'd like to do. Right now, though, dude, I just think Lopez is a little further along in his development as a dynamic professional fighter. Haney's still figuring it out. He's the goods, but if they fought right now, I'd take Lopez. A couple years from now, I might change that pick to Haney. And I know that fight at that time would be at 140. But I think I might take Haney to like win a Floyd-ish, Mayweather-ish kind of decision where he does a lot of holding, grappling, to nullify his opponent's offense and eke out a decision. The best thing that Haney did was sign with a major promoter. Because I remember I interviewed him earlier this year for that piece I did in Ring. And I asked him, because he was promoting himself. And I'm like, dude, what happens when you fight against the top guys and they have these big promoters? And he was thinking, oh, no, I don't know, man. I think I'll be fine. I think he thought about that a little bit. He was like, you know, that Montero guy, that's a good question. Hmm. And he went and talked to some people. And I'm sure I'm not the only one who's brought up that point. And eventually he ended up signing with a promoter. Eddie Hearn's a pretty big promoter. I think he understands that it's good to have that backing behind you. It helps in those situations. Uh, let's see. LR Chiga said it would be something if Harrison ices Jamel, Jermel, it would be amazing. Hell yeah, it would be. That'd be, I mean, that would be great. That rematch should be in Detroit, but you know, the Charlos have more favor with Uncle Al, so it's going to Vegas. Plus they're going for the money, but. Um, Canada Chris asks, hey man, have you ever eaten a Donaire? It's like a Euro, only way better with sweet sauce. As a matter of fact, I have. Tiffany and I have had them several times and they're pretty damn amazing. Anything with meat, I'm there, <laughs> but. Yeah, the Donaire, we've, we've had some of those, um, or it's not, is it pronounced Donner or something? I'm pronouncing it wrong. I know I'm saying it wrong. But they, there was a couple places in LA that had them. And yeah, dude, they're, they're pretty damn awesome. Sarah says, uh, how long till we get Crawford versus Spence, in my opinion? No sooner than 2022, unfortunately. Yeah, Renee Salcedo says, if Joshua gets past Ruiz, he and Wilder have to meet. No excuses. Sorry, guys, but that fight ain't happening until at the earliest next fall, probably 2021. I hate to say it. Um, let's see. Some of you guys think Crawford Spence is never going to happen. I don't blame you. Renee Salcedo says, women should box topless. That would just be ugly, bro. Punches are so fast, things would flop. Nah, it would, it would not be sexy. <laughs> MMA topless might look better. You know, just saying. Okay, uh, let's see. Uh, Silvio, Silcon, ask, Hey, Mike, did you ever think about starting Montero Promotions at some point? You'd be one of the rare non-sleazy promoters out there. <laughs> you know what, dude? I have thought about that. I, I, I've talked about it with some people, especially when I moved here to Atlanta. It's something I have thought about. It is a very difficult game to get into, and it requires a lot of money up front if you want to do it the right way. You got to prop up some money and be prepared to lose money unless you're heavily 
nested in a, in a certain market. I don't know anybody here in Atlanta. In LA, I knew a lot of people. I probably could have did a small promotion in LA and did pretty well. Here, I don't know anybody. So it's the kind of thing you got to get, I think, rooted into a community and then have some money to put up and be willing to lose money up front for a year or two. So it's something that I've thought about. And perhaps later on, I'll look at that. Tough business though, bro. One of the toughest businesses out there. DS Kennels 210 says, y'all really want to see Shields in their topless? You said it, bro. Not me. But yeah. <laughs> Sienna's is asking, uh, best Irish American boxer of all time. Irish American. So born in America of Irish ancestry. I'd have to think about that one for a while because it's probably going to be one of the classic old school fighters going back to the 20s to the 30s um, because the Irish were running the game right around the turn of the 20th century. That's when the Irish were running the game in boxing. So um, I'd have to really think about that, bro. That's for a real historical question like that. I can't just answer on the spot. Doug Fisher's better at that than me. If it's within the last 50 years, I'm good. But thinking back, I mean, you're thinking Sullivan, you know, just names like that, O'Brien, right? All those guys way, way back then. It has to be one of them. It has to be one of them. Or, um, damn, who's the guy out of Philly? Not, not Jack O'Brien. Um, oh, I can't think of his name. Oh, man. Uh, there was a... A really good lightweight, or I'm sorry, light heavyweight out of, um, maybe it's Pittsburgh. I got to think about that one, bro. I don't want to hold up the show for that, but um, damn, that's a good question. Anthony Rafter asks, will we ever see Big Baby Miller again? He will never be back if he has to do 365 testing. I think the only way he's going to come back is he's going to have to agree to 365 testing. What promoter would work with Big Baby Miller. Seriously, what promoter would be willing to do that? I can't think of one promoter that would be willing to sign him. I can't think of one promoter who would sign to fight him as an opponent unless he was doing full testing at his own expense. Billy Kahn, Joe Blow got in there. Billy Kahn, really great fighter, really underrated, underappreciated, athletic fighter. He might be Jack Dempsey, but Dempsey, it was of mixed ancestry, was he not? He was not 100% Irish. I believe Jack Dempsey, uh, I think he was of mixed heritage, but um, Dana White will work with Miller. <laughs> yeah, shit. Dana White will sell Miller as drugs. Khan, I'm serious. It might be Billy Khan, man. I'm just in a pound for pound sense. That dude was legit. If Billy Khan were fighting today, he would compete. Seriously, he had that kind of talent. Go back and watch some of his stuff on YouTube, guys. Con, C-O-N-N. Look up some of his old stuff. Really good, underrated fighter. Anthony Rafter, Tank Davis fighting a middleweight after that video. Yeah, no shit. If you guys haven't seen that video on social media of Tank, Gervonta Tank Davis looking like a tank. Um, holy shit, you guys got to see. As my seat continues to fall down here. Uh, you got to see that. It's out there on social media. It's hilarious. He looks really bad. I don't see how the hell he's going to get down to 130. Uh, let's see. Okay. James Burrell says, Montreal is like the Boston of France. 
I see what you did there. I get it. Prime TV says Raptors in the finals. Oh, you're talking about uh, the NBA. Did they make, is it the NBA finals already? Holy shit. Guys, I used to love the NBA. I just don't keep up with it anymore. But if Toronto's in, I know that's like a historical thing for the NBA. That's got to be the first Canadian team that's in. So that's pretty cool. That's a cool story, huh? I think the NBA is probably loving that. Uh, Yoke asks, is Gary Russell Jr. by way of meeting with Eddie Ern Hearn publicly putting Alan Heyman in a cross? I think he's publicly telling Uncle Al, hey, look, dude, pay me my, you know, pay me money, make the Leo Santa Cruz fight, or I'm signing with this white boy over here. Make it happen or else. That's what all that is. Kansas City Max says, first time NBA finals. There you go. Yeah, so the NBA has got to be loving that. That's a, I love when you see stuff like that. So who is Toronto playing? Who's the Raptors playing? RIP Bill Buckner. Did Bill Buckner die? I did not see it. Guys, I haven't caught up on any news at all. I just watched some fights this weekend with my dad when he was down here helping me work in my house. So I haven't seen anything. Yeah, Diaz Kennel says, I heard Thurman was training himself at Planet Fitness for his comeback fight. Yeah, I heard the same damn thing. Oh, Warriors. Oh, okay, so it's going to be Toronto and Golden State. Well, I'm sure the Warriors are favored big time. The Warriors got to be favored big time. So you know what? I hope Toronto wins. That'd be a cool upset. I'd love to see. I love upsets, all right? So maybe I'll tune into a game for my Canadian uh, subscribers, my Canadian viewers in, in support and honor of you guys, I'll tune into one game and I'll, I'll check out the Raptors and hope that they beat uh, Golden State because I'm always up for a good upset. Holy shit, you guys, there's a lot of chat here. Serge, what's up from Phoenix? Glad you're watching, brother. Uh, Michael Montero, oh, this is from Prime TV. He says, uh, so boxing ratings are up and MMA ratings are down. Why doesn't the media speak on this? Simple. It doesn't play into the agenda. Guys, boxing in America is what I call underground famous. It's famous because everybody knows about boxing. It is part of our folklore. It is part of our history. It is part of our culture. There are so many words and pop culture phrases. You'll be in a board meeting with a bunch of stiff bankers who have never seen a fight in their life. And they'll be like, we're on the ropes, guys. And we need a knockout in the 12th round. Yeah, we got to get a knockout, guys. We're up against the ropes, you know? Yeah, they use boxing expressions, right? It's just part of who we are as a society. So it's famous that way, but it's also underground. Boxing is underground, famous. MMA is more mainstream. It's marketed more to the mainstream. James Burrell says, Loma, Pep, Tyson, Roy Jones Jr. Man, you put that in a blender, you get a pretty damn good fighter. Holy shit. Renzo's on. What's up, Renzo? Thank you so much for all your help, brother. And uh, guys, Renzo's one of the dudes I was talking to about the podcast stuff. He does an awesome podcast. And I'm trying to figure out how to make all this shit work. So uh, we're looking into it. He's asking for the Joshua Ruiz prediction. And Boseo um, Tijuana says, hi. Tell those guys, everyone, what's up? And thanks again, brother. We'll talk again soon. Um, Let's get into that. Let's get into the preview, and then I'll get to these questions. So, okay, this weekend, Friday, May 31st, you know, I've seen this fight in the schedule several times. I've talked about it several times. The last couple times it's been on the schedule, 
I haven't talked about it. It's been rescheduled multiple times. Would not surprise me if they reschedule it again. But as of right now, this Friday, Shyafan Moonsri, TBE, 52-0, Wan Hang Menalothian, I can't think of his alias, he is supposed to fight Friday for this 53rd fight to defend his WBC minimum weight title. What a useless title. And I've seen the WBC like tweet out posters of him, 52-0, the best record of all time. Yeah, go pull your pud. Anyway, Saturday, June 1st, Cardiff, Wales. A card from uh, Lee Eaton, picked up by ESPN Plus, and in the, uh, the main event, undefeated flyweight prospect out of Wales, 15-0, Jay Harris, going up against a Spanish fighter, Angel Moreno, in a 12-rounder European flyweight title. In California, San Jacinto, California, Soboba Casino in San Jacinto, California. Uh, TGB Promotions putting on a card. PBC on Fox Sports 1. There's a million prospects on this card. 15 fights. TGB, they basically stack these cards like an MMA card. There's always at least a dozen fights on their cards. Uh, in the main event, Hugo Centeno Jr. going up against Willie Monroe Jr. The Battle of the Juniors. Devin Alexander fighting Ivan Redcatch. And Filipino uh, featherweight prospect, Southpaw, 22-0. Jack Tepora fighting in a 10-rounder. And then the big card of the weekend. And this really is a good card. Eddie Hearn, Matchroom, they loaded this card. Anthony Joshua, 22-0 with his IBF, WBA, WBO heavyweight titles. Going up against Andy Ruiz, who only has one loss. And that was a very close loss to Joseph Parker back in 2016. Has not lost since. Uh, in the main event, of course, it was supposed to be Jarrell Big Baby Miller, the big, loud, trash-talking New Yorker that would have helped make this a little bit bigger of an event just because of his trash talk. Andy Ruiz is a quiet guy, reserved guy from Southern California, Mexican-American, doesn't exactly fit the demographics of New York. There's really no Mexicans in New York. It just the demographics of this thing got a little mixed up. But I do think Andy Ruiz, um, look, for a last-second replacement, considering that Luis Ortiz turned down the fight, Adam Kovnaki turned down the fight, who else? There's a couple other guys who turned down the fight. Andy Ruiz said, I'll take the damn fight. Props to him. It also does kind of show what PBC thinks of him because they would not let Ortiz take the fight. They forced him to sit on the sidelines to fight Wilder. Same thing with Kovnaki. He's going to fight Wilder early next year. So they've got Wilder's trail blazed for him. they got all his path laid out for him, right? Ortiz and then Kavnaki. But with Ruiz, they're like, yeah, you want to take that fight? Go ahead, bro. So it kind of tells you what the PBC thinks of, of Andy Ruiz, huh? Interesting. Does have balls. Yeah, Azier just said Ruiz has balls. I respect balls. <laughs> Luis Ruiz has balls. I respect the balls. Yeah, he, he does. And does he have a chance to win this fight? No. I, I don't think he's going to win this fight. He's going to be competitive early. He's going to give AJ stuff to think about early just because of the hand speed, switching up speeds. I think his momentum might break up Joshua's uh, rhythm at times. But eventually, AJ is going to break him down. And I got to think Joshua is going to go for the stoppage here. He wants to make a splash in New York. He wants to make... Uh, a statement after seeing Wilder make a statement against Brazil. 
Do I see him stopping Ruiz in the first three, four rounds? No, that's not how Joshua fights. Joshua will responsibly set up the knockout and stop him late. Ninth, 10th round, somewhere around there. Sarah says Jack Sharkey is the best Irish fighter ever. He's on the list. Definitely on the list. I'm telling you, watch Billy Kahn, some of his old fights. Seriously underrated fighter. Also on this card, Callum Smith. I talked about him earlier. First fight since the World Boxing Super Series finale last September. Going up against Hassam Indam, who's 35. His last fight was in December. Mixed a majority decision win over Martin Murray. So I think that's set up for Smith to have a competitive, experienced opponent that's going to give him some good work, give him some rounds. Wouldn't be surprised if it goes a distance. But Smith should chop him down and get him out of there late. That's what should happen. We shall see. Also, Josh Kelly, 9-0, welterweight prospect, 2016 Olympian out of the UK. He's going up against Philadelphia's Ray Robinson, who had a draw with Igadijus Kavadiauskas in March. Try saying that name three times fast. Uh, 10-rounder for a minor title. And the female fight. Sarah says Khan almost beat Joe Lewis. Yeah, he almost did. Pissed Joe Lewis off and then got cracked. But uh, anyway, Katie Taylor going up against Delphine Pearson. Pearson. I'm probably butchering that name. I know it's a Belgian name. I don't know dick about Belgian, how to pronounce the names there. I do, however, know that this is a complete unification of the lightweight division. Katie Taylor, 13-0. In 13 pro fights, she's already got the IBF, WBA, WBO. Her 14th fight, she's going for the WBC. Pearson, Pearson is 43-1. And, and I've tried to find female boxer pound-for-pound pound lists. I've only found a few of them. But every single one of them that I have found, Pearson has been rated in the top 10. Christina Hammer was not. So I am going to draw parallels to the Clarissa Shields, Christina Hammer fight. Because that fight was being hyped up a lot here by certain YouTube channels, certain fan channels. Uh, you guys know who, where I'm going with this. That were salivating and all over that fight talking about it. Biggest female fight of all time, yada, yada, yada. It wasn't. It was one of the biggest female fights here in America of all time, sure. But this fight is better. This fight is more competitive. This fight is higher rated pound for pound both opponents. So last summer, the Boxing Writers Association of America put out a female, their first time putting out a female pound-for-pound pound list. Pearson was rated sixth. They haven't put out female ratings again since. I don't think ESPN does. I know Ring doesn't. Boxing Monthly doesn't. So anyway, Katie Taylor, Delphine Pearson, completely unifying the lightweight division. If Katie Taylor wins this fight, I'm sorry. She should go past Clarissa Shields on the pound-for-pound pound list, and she should be right behind Cecilia Brekus. That's what she'll be on my female pound-for-pound pound list. Not that I know a whole lot about female fighting, but I'm trying to get more into it because female boxing is growing, okay? So that's what I see happening if she wins this fight. It's a big deal, guys. Okay, let's get to some more questions. We've been going here for almost an hour on Memorial Day. Hope you guys had a great holiday, by the way. I just saw one of you guys. Sorry, I didn't see the name because the, uh, the chat rolled by. But 
You guys talked about top rank signing that uh, Cuban prospect. Um, yeah, and a lot of people made some, they talked some shit about that because uh, of course top rank, they first had Guillermo Rigondi out, that didn't turn out too good. I think this will be different style-wise, mentality-wise, everything else. So um, the name is skipping me right now. I'll see it uh, in a second here as I scroll down. Southpaw's on. What's up, man? Appreciate you watching. Uh, Rene Salcedo asked, Are you surprised there hasn't been a death in the ring in MMA given the brutality? Absolutely not. The brutality, it looks brutal. It looks devastating the violence it's not nearly as brutal health-wise as boxing is boxers take punishment to the brain much more than mma fighters it's night and day and they take more punishment to the organs to the liver to, to your different organs you know taking body shots you guys gotta remember and i'm not trying to sit here and yeah vlad's talking about me drinking my sparkling ice i like these drinks because they're sugar free but i get the bubbles so it's like drinking pop but without the guilt. Tiff buys them for me. <laughs> um, anyway, what was I saying? Oh yeah, I'm not trying to bash MMA, but MMA, they don't know how to punch. Most of the fights turn into wrestling. They get on the ground and roll around and look, that, that shit's skillful and you know there's a whole method to it. I understand that. I'm not trying to say that's good, bad, whatever. You might snap an arm, you might rip your someone's shoulder out of the socket, and that looks brutal. It looks devastating. You might cut someone's skin with the gloves that are designed to cut skin because it's for marketing purposes. That looks cool, it looks brutal. It's not the same as getting jabbed in the head 400 times in a fight. That is much more brutal to your health. That's why boxers die. That's why MMA wrestlers don't die. That is the difference. The wrestlers like in WWE and all that shit that died, that's from steroid use. That's a different kind of wrestling. So uh, let's see. Let's see, let's see, let's see. Boy, we got a bunch of people on here, man. LR Chiga said that Pedraza fight was great. You know, I only caught the second half, but yeah, um, pretty good stuff. Pedraza is still a damn good fighter. Just because the guy got beat by Loma and Tank Davis, people want to shit on him. He's still a damn good fighter. Yeah, um, L.R. Chig was talking about the, the Trout-Goucher draw. He's comparing it to Korobov-Alim. Horrible robbery. I concur. Tommy Boseo asks, what are my top three left hooks in boxing? Are we talking history or are we talking right now? Because, uh, man, if we're talking in history, that's another one I got to really, really think about. But right now, David Lemieux's got a pretty sweet left hook. Um AJ's got a pretty good left hook. Let's see, let's see. Who else, who else, who else? Uh, Artur Baturbiev has a nice left hook. Canelo Alvarez's left hook isn't bad. Gennady Golovkin's left hook isn't bad. Um, hmm. Regis Progray has a nice left hook. There's a bunch of them in the game, bro. I'd have to think about that one. The Fight Scout asked, was I the guy that wrote that unnamed article on ring.com saying Pacquiao should give up on chasing Floyd? Nope, that wasn't me. I really don't pay much attention to Pacquiao or Floyd. Inouye. Oh, Joe Blow said Naoya Inouye. Great left hook. Yeah, dude. That's the best left, left hook in boxing right now, I'd have to say. Pretty damn devastating. 
in a way, pound for pound, might be the best puncher in boxing. Certainly the most accurate and devastating with his shot. It's like cracking a whip. And that left hook is not nice. And the thing with Inouye, he can shoot that left hook to the body and he can shoot that left hook upstairs. He can do it both places and it gets you out of there. He can get you out of there just as easily to the body as he can upstairs. Nasty, 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 nasty. Robbie Patterson's on here again. His Mount Rushmore, Duran, Whitaker, Holmes, Lomachenko. Damn, you guys got some good ones tonight, man. MJB Taco, Devin Haney versus Mikey Garcia. You're asking about Mike, because you just got Garcia. I'm assuming Mikey Garcia. Dude, Mikey beats him. He ain't ready for Mikey yet. Not ready for Mikey yet. But those two, you know, in two years, if they fought at 140, I might go Haney. But... Just Garcia with his experience and everything, if he could get down to 35 right now, he beats Haney. Uh, James Brunel says, Dillian White has a great left hook. Hell yeah, he does. Barrios, Michael Barrios says, uh, Ryan Garcia, good left hook as well. Yeah, man, there's some great left hooks. Nonito Donaire, great left hook. Anthony Raptor says, rumors on this side of the pond is that Loma-Campbell fight is the last Saturday in August in London. Thoughts on that fight, Mike? Yeah, it's probably going to be around that time, um, late August, early early September maybe. But, um, oh, MJB Taco asked, Haney versus Ryan Garcia. I like Haney in that one all day. Garcia would have a chance if, if, if Haney's chinny Okay, he didn't mean Mikey. Sorry, guys, I'm bouncing all over the place. But uh, Michael Barrios, MJB Taco, he asked, Devin Haney versus Ryan Garcia. I like Devin Haney in that just because of the fundamentals. Now, Garcia can punch. And if he lands something big in Haney, we haven't seen Haney take a big shot yet. If he could take that shot, his fundamentals, I think, beat Garcia. And I think a counterpunch, I think he'd make Garcia miss something and land a counter and knock Garcia out. I actually would pick Haney to knock Ryan Garcia out right now. Um, okay, but thoughts on Lomachenko and Campbell. Look, Campbell is a good, solid, professional prize fighter. He's going to give it a good go. He's going to be competitive. Might even take it the distance. But you got to favor Lomachenko. you got to favor Lomachenko big. If it goes the distance... Nine rounds to three, somewhere in, somewhere in there. That's what I see happening. It just I, I like Loma big in that fight. Although Campbell, I do think, is very, very underrated by many, many fans, particularly in America. Knight of the Tiles says, I remember they had topless darts here in the UK. Why not topless boxing? Woo. Just make sure you're throwing the darts at the dart board and not at other things if you're playing topless darts. Hopefully the women were good looking and they weren't as large as the men that I see playing darts a lot because then that topless dart playing could be, you know, I'd put the darts in my freaking eyes. But <laughs> hopefully, uh, man, topless darts. Holy shit. Okay. Um, you guys are talking about Andre Ward's dad was Irish. So, uh, okay. Andre Ward, technically half Irish. So... But then we could bring Dempsey back into it, right? Because I, I, I disqualified Dempsey because he was only part Irish. He was of mixed heritage. I can't remember what other stuff he was mixed with. 
So if we're including people who are just part Irish, well, shit, that's gonna that's just gonna you know expand the playing field so much, right? Because there's a lot of Black Americans that are part Irish, you know, even if it's 10%. So shit, you know, so, some of the best NBA players ever were Irish. If we're gonna go with that, I'm just thinking. Um, yeah, like Tracy McGrady, you know what I'm saying? He didn't look Irish, but he had an Irish name. One of the best basketball players ever, right? So uh, yeah, that changes the conversation. But if it's anyone who's part Irish, well shit, Andre Ward is definitely in the conversation. He might be the best Irish American fighter ever, pound for pound. I still say Billy Kahn. I'm, for this chat, I gotta think, you guys always give me great questions that I think about for the rest of the week. Joe Blow says Muhammad Ali had some Irish blood. Yes, he did. He was embarrassed about it. He wished he didn't have that blood. He wrote about that before. But um, he was part Irish. So Ali might be the best Irish American fighter. You guys got to give some parameters here and you know, let me know. You got to be at least a quarter Irish, at least half. How do you want to do this? We all know Canelo's part fucking Irish. Come on. <laughs> but he's not American. So he's out of the discussion. Uh, let's see. Southpaw asks, what do I think of Boazzi? He is fighting this weekend. I like what I see so far. Again, we just don't know if he can catch. He's got to step up in opposition. We got to see. Um, Robesi Ramirez is who went pro. Cian asked about Robesi Ramirez. That's who went pro and signed with top rank. So according to the folks at top rank, Ramirez, completely different than Guillermo Rigondeaux in terms of fighting style, mentality, gets it they've had talks it's like hey dude they kind of had the same talks to him that they had with lomachenko this is the pros dude this ain't the amateurs you're gonna have to build it up and knock people out go for the kill etc etc and apparently the kid gets it i think this is going to be a good signing lr chica says david should get on the treadmill dude he should get on the treadmill wearing a a vest one of those weighted vests and a sauna suit and even that might not be enough to get back down to 130. I don't know. Canada Chris says, Montero the North. It's the Canadian TNC tonight. Hell yeah, bro. We've had lots of Canada talk on here tonight. I like Canada. Look, man, I grew up in Detroit. It was practically Canada. It was a much shittier, more violent Canada <laughs> with some different demographics. But man, I tell you guys, at 19, we go over to Windsor, that's the other side of the river, the, uh, the, right there in Detroit, where you could go drink at 19. We go over there, and I shit you not, we'd be standing there at the riverfront, because uh, you know in Windsor, in the middle of the night, you can leave your door open, you'll see women walking down the street by themselves, nothing bad happens, it's all good. And standing there, looking across the river, seeing, looking at downtown Detroit, you'd hear the sirens across the river in Detroit from people getting shot, all kinds of crazy shit going down. It's so amazing how just a border completely changes culture. Canada, Canada is so nice and clean and friendly. There's no crime and you cross the border and you go right into Detroit and it's craziness. I never understood that. Moon Street TBE, several of you guys said Moon Street TBE. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's see if he fights this time. The fight's been rescheduled a million times. Vlad Rodercheck, I don't know if you, it says that you uh, gave an, another dollar here on Super Chat. I don't know if I'm just seeing the first one you did or if I'm seeing it for the second time. Either way, thank you so much, brother. Thank you so much for contributing. I appreciate it. 
That's how behind I am here in the chat. But we got a lot of questions, man. You guys are hitting me with it today. Kansas City Max says, AJ by KO in the 10th. I agree with that. I think it's going to be right around the 10th. And some people will say, you see, he can't get guys out of there the way Wilder does. Different style fighters, they fight much differently. Again, in this generation, I think that Wilder is more like the Mike Tyson. Joshua is more like the Holyfield. So draw that that's the parallel that we're starting to see again guys boxing like anything else history repeats itself we repeat history whatever it is but that's the buildup we're seeing who had a better career holyfield or tyson ask yourself that okay let's see ds kennels 210 says the perfect fighter the heart of tor hammer the chin of amir khan the speed of joe joyce the feet of Dominic Brazil, the power of Pauli Malignaggi, and I'm going to go ahead and add one here. The IQ and public speaking skills of Deontay Wilder. Wow, that'd be one hell of a fighter. That'd be a special athlete. <laughs> yeah, Robinson Ramirez, uh, CN, you asked again about him. I think he's going to have a good pro career. And you think about how many great, you know, the Cubans don't do that well as pros. But I think... Top Rank has learned some lessons in recent years, how to market some of these amateurs coming up, how to, you know, how to change the mentality. I think he's going to do well. I think he's going to win titles. And Vlad says, I'm selling out big to sparkling ice. Dude, I love these drinks. They're a dollar. They're sugar-free. They're tasty. Tiffany gets mad because she buys like 10 of these. And I drank like nine of them before she even gets one. Oh, Serge just came through with the super chat. Thank you so much, Serge. Let's get to your question. Let me find it here. Uh, let's see. Okay, Serge asked, thank you again so much, bro, for, for helping out on super chat. He asked, if I were to stack a pay-per-view, $84.99 with five great fights, what would it be current? If I can put any five fights, okay. AJ Wilder. Let's go uh, Kovalev Baturbiev. And let's go. Um, hmm. <laughs> yeah, Kovalev Baturbiev. Let's go, of course, um, the winner of Canelo Golovkin 3 versus Charlo. Let's go. Um, let's go Lomachenko versus Lopez. No, I'm sorry, Lomachenko versus Garcia. That's four. And then of course, Spence versus Crawford. That, my friends, is an amazing... Let me ask you guys, would you pay $200 for that? If there was a pay-per-view, I'm not shitting, $200, but you get AJ Wilder, Kovalev Baturbiev, you get either a Canelo Golovkin 3 or the Canelo Golovkin 3 winner versus Charlo. Either one of those. You get Spence versus Crawford and you get Lomachenko versus Garcia. Dude, 200 bucks? Yeah, most of you guys are saying in a heartbeat. I know Joel says in a heartbeat. Yeah, man, for 200 bucks, I'd pay it. I think some of you guys would even pay 250 for that. Like seriously, there are people out there who would pay 250 for that. I wonder if something like that could ever be done. You know, if you, if, like that new stadium for, for the Raiders that they're building in Vegas. If they put on a super card like that, we're talking four, let's just say four, four mega fights. 
you're basically paying 50 bucks a fight. Holy shit. I think that would actually sell. I really do. Well, we got a lot of chat here. Okay, I'm going to have to skip down, skip down. Mark Wheeler asks, when is Triple G fighting? It is June 8th, and he's going to be fighting Steve Rolls in New York, making his DAZN debut, and I will be doing a live fight party right here on this channel from my friend's house where we're going to be having a birthday party because I'll be turning 40 a few days after that. So make sure you tune in, man. Let's watch it together. It might be over like this, but something tells me Rolls is going to take Golovkin rounds. I actually think that's going past the sixth round. I really do. If there, if there was a buy or sell over under six rounds, I'd buy the over on that. Seriously. Uh, let's see. More chat, more chat. I'm just catching up to some of your guys' Irish comments. Southpaw says, Dempsey was Cherokee Indian mixed with Irish. Okay. Yeah, I thought it was something like that. Cody, 8804, says, Andy Ruiz is going to beat AJ by decision. All right, Cody, you're on the record. And then he follows up and says, Ruiz will get robbed. <laughs> uh, Cody says, Andre Ward is American, not Irish. You don't call Golovkin a Korean boxer. Well, now you're mixing up where someone's from versus their ancestry. I mean, Andre Ward is American, but if, his, if he has Irish ancestry, then he's part Irish. I mean, you can be both. That's like when I tell you guys, Mexican isn't a race. I get in arguments all the time. You guys, any of you who have family from Mexico, you know what I'm saying. Saying, that'd be like saying, I'm of the American race. No, you're of the American nationality. You could be from Mexico and be Native American. You could be Mestizo, which is Native American and European, or you could be 90% European. There are even Mexicans who have some African blood, right? So um, I get in arguments with people all the time about this. You could see Mexicans of all different shades and different you know, uh, facial and hair textures and everything else, facial features. It's a nationality. So it's the same thing. Gennady Golovkin, his nationality, well, he's from Kazakhstan, but he's half Russian. He's a quarter Korean. He's a quarter Kazakh. So he's kind of all over the place. So I don't know where you're going with that, Cody. Cody says Arturo Gotti, and he spelled Gotti wrong, is not Italian. He's French, since Andre Ward is Irish. No, Arturo Gotti is Italian. His parents are from Italy. He's Canadian. But I see what you're saying, dude, but you're mixing up nationality with heritage and like ancestry that's a different thing let's see we got a lot of you guys arguing about this french thing oh cody 8804 thank you for contributing brother for um for the super chat so cody jo joined in on super chat thank you very very much he he says ward irish goatee best french golovkin best korean well arturo Gotti, i don't think is french but Golovkin is a quarter Korean. So again, it depends how you guys want to play this game. If we're saying you got to be at least a quarter of something to be counted as that ethnicity, then you could call Golovkin the best Korean fighter ever. But he is only a quarter Korean. You could also call Golovkin the best Russian fighter ever. He is, he's half Russian. He's more Russian than he is Korean. So again, dude, Azier says Golovkin is half Korean. He's not half Korean. I have been trying to correct this 
for years. I wrote about this in Boxing Monthly Magazine. I even contacted Wikipedia and tried to get Golovkin's uh, wiki page updated. His mother is half Korean. Golovkin is a quarter Korean. And I've asked him about it several times. And I've given, you know, Gennady, everyone says your mom's Korean. He goes, no, half, half, she half Korean. My mother half Korean and quarter Korean. That, he's, he's told me that multiple times. So go, there you go. Azie says, fine, Golovkin is a quarter Korean. Now you got it. Just, just getting it out there, correcting it. Because I see people saying, and I, I, I see that stuff on Wiki and it's all the time. Uh, just where you see you know, things that are just incorrect. You're like, damn it, I want to fix this. And I, I gave Wikipedia my article in Boxing Monthly Magazine where it's in print. And I said, look, this is a direct quote. I have the audio. I have the audio of all my interviews for all my articles on my computer. I could pull that audio clip right now. And I told them, dude, <laughs> this guy says my impression's awful. Survive said my impression. Come on, Michael Nelly Golovkin, the impression's pretty good. I drink those sparkling eyes because there's no sugar. I'm good. Uh, yeah, it's not the best, but that might be a little more Sergei Kovalev than... Um, I've actually done my Russian accent with my Russian friends, and several of them are like, dude, you sound like you're from the region that Kovalev's from. That's, that's your Russian accent. Anyway, uh, okay. We got all over the place, dude. Uh, see, Joel says that accent was uh, impersonation was better than he was expecting. There you go. Uh, Hamed92 says, Kim is Korean. I think you're referring to Steve Kim. Michael, serious question. Is Steve Kim prejudiced or racist towards black people? Yesterday, he made a remark on Ringside Reporter calling certain fans th think he was referring to black fans. No. Guys, you know that Steve Kim is my friend. I love him like a brother. I'd do anything for him. Um, and I really mean that. And I know he means that when he says it about me. I can tell you with a straight face, Steve Kim, not prejudiced, not racist. I've literally hung out and met Steve Kim, his friends. A lot of his friends are Mexican, but he has a ton. It sounds really cliche to say this. But the dude really does have black friends. He has a really good friend who's half black, D uh, Doug Fisher. Um, who they've worked together for years. He's not racist. But what Steve Kim does, unapologetically so, to his detriment in our modern politically correct times, is he calls things the way he sees it, and he's not afraid to hold everyone to the same standard. And unfortunately, we live in a world where Steve Kim, because of his light skin, is not allowed to criticize certain people. Um, and Steve, pretty much like myself, says, you know what? Fuck that. If this person's a, a moron, I'm going to call him a moron. I'm not going to curve the grading scale for this person. So he is critical of PBC. And when he says certain fans, he's not talking about black fans. He's talking about ignorant fans. I don't know what conversation you're referring to, dude, so I, I, I can't speak for that. But um, he, he reports and talks about things. Um, just he, he tells the truth. There are some ignorant fans out there. Sometimes the ignorant fans are Caucasian. Sometimes they're black. Sometimes they're Native American. I, I don't know. But 
if he, criti if he criticizes of somebody who happens to be black, that doesn't mean he's racist. It just means he's criticizing somebody. In fact, I personally feel, and I know Steve feels the same way, when you, when you truly feel people are equal, you criticize them equally. So Steve Kim, and I know this, we've had the conversations with our black friends in the room, members of press, talking about the LDBC guys and some of these people. And the thing is, Steve is like, look, dude, black people are equal to everyone else and can handle the criticism. I'm going to treat them the same way I would treat a fellow Korean or anybody else. And I'm paraphrasing, okay? That's not an exact quote. But for him to do that is his way of showing respect to black people because it's his way of saying, dude, you're a big boy. You're doing this shit wrong, man. I'm going to tell you and I'm going to hold you accountable. That's him showing respect and being respectful. If he said, no, no, no. Yeah, you're screwing up, but you need my help because you're inferior to me. So let me help you. That's what I feel and Steve feels and some people from our ilk feel that too many people in media do now. And to us, to me, that's the real racism. When you treat people a different way because of their race and you're less critical or you, you treat them with kid gloves, you use different language, different rhetoric to speak with them, that's disrespectful. If you hold everyone to the same standard and criticize everyone equally, that's showing respect. And that's all Steve does, man. So you gotta give me more um, info, Hamed, but I can tell you with absolute certainty, he's not racist. And it's, it's an absolute fucking shame that he gets called that all the time. And props to Eric Lorta, who does the Ringside Reporter podcast, and brings Steve on. Even though a lot of people out there are like, why are you bringing Steve Kim on? He's this, he's that. Eric knows he's not racist. That's why he brings him on. So, um, and other people that bring Steve on their show. Guys, I've hung out with Steve in my private life. I have nothing to do with boxing. Just gone out, hanging out, talking about family, our lives, our childhoods and stuff, having heart-to-heart -heart talks. He's a good dude. He's honestly one of the best people I've met in all of boxing. He's a wonderful person. And that's why the people that ride with Steve and really, really like Steve, they're good to him because he's good to them. So, so and that, there's people of all different ancestries that are related to him in the game. So um, if he was talking about certain fans, he's talking about certain fans. He's talking, hey, this group of fans right here, he's talking about them. I don't, I, if, now, if he said, black people do this, you know, <laughs> that's one thing. He's never said that. He's never said that. Yeah, Hamed, you ask a lot about racist stuff. Someone else is, James Burrell is saying that. And Hamed, I don't want to beat up on you, bro, but you ask a lot about racist stuff. Um, look, man, I saw you made a post recently with a certain media member, I'm media, I'm using quotes, um, that said some racist things about Eddie Hearn. I saw that post and that was good of you to expose that person. He's now being exposed for who he is. But if you remember, that person uh, really went after myself, went after Steve, went after Doug Fisher, the guy that you, I'm not even gonna say his name here, went after my channel, right? Um, what did he say in that video? That guy used racist rhetoric, flat out racist rhetoric, right? Have you ever heard myself, Doug Fisher, Steve Kim, any of these other guys that get accused of that word 
ever use rhetoric like that, ever. Ever call anybody a name like that, ever. And then look at our personal lives, dude. Doug Fisher's mixed. Steve Kim, 90% of his friends are Mexican, they're not even Korean. Um, I'm engaged to a Chinese woman. I'm not Chinese, okay, so we're not racist. It's so stupid, I have to constantly answer these questions. So anyway, yeah, Joel O says Doug Fisher is half black and he gets called racist. What does he do, look in the mirror and punch himself in the dick? I hit you, I hit you too. <laughs> he punches the right ball, then the left ball. I mean, what do you guys think? Like that word gets thrown out so many times. Alex, what the fuck, you're not Chinese? <laughs> yeah, guys. Calm down with the racist shit. I mean, the truth is 90% um, of human beings really just want the same things as everybody else and want to get along and love each other and have their family and chase their dreams. People get caught up on bullshit. Don't get caught up in all the bullshit that the media wants you to get focused on. Every election, we have an election coming up next year in this country and you already see it with the, the politics, right? Shit's already ramping up. It's everything the news reports, it's devastating. It's, it's so big and you know, breaking news and uh, you know, the world is ending. Meanwhile, the economy's good. Yeah, there, there's violence in the world, but collectively as a whole around the world, we are uh, safer than any generation before us, right? Look at the millions, the tens of millions, shit, probably over 100 million people that died in the 20th century as a result of war, um, you know, the huge world wars, um, the, these um, dictators, you know, in different parts of the, all this crazy shit that went on. And now, um, you know, things are a lot better. So, so calm down, relax, enjoy the fights. All right, let's just get back to boxing. Guys, stop calling each other racist. No one on this chat's racist. <laughs> all right, relax. Okay. Um, all right, guys, one more question. We're going to bounce up out of here. All right, Cody, Cody8804, back with Super Chat once again. Thank you so much. Thank you so, so much, brother. Um, and then he says, I predict Ruiz' clear decision gets robbed by Joshua. Fans play along. Dude, you're on the record. I'll tell you right now. If Ruiz beats AJ and gets robbed, I'll be right here calling you Nostradamus. Nostradamus, okay? I don't think that's going to happen. I think at best he'll win two or three rounds. But we shall see. We shall see. Uh, Azier says, everybody's racist except for me. You know what? You're right. We're all racist except for you, bro. But uh, let's see. Vlad says, the inherit for profit media structure promotes sensationalist stories. That's the quote of the night. And that's the realest, most truest quote that we've seen in the chat tonight. It's literally, they need you to click. They need you to get mad and yell and share the story on your social and tell your, call your mom, call your dad and tell them about the story that got reported. So they're going to sensationalize everything. It's all blown out of proportion. Joel O says, Trump will win again because of all the identity politics. Democrats are eating themselves alive. You know, I got to say, I don't watch a whole lot of news anymore because it's so negative. But um, there, there is some truth in what you're saying, Joel, because Trump, I, I personally think, won because the identity politics from the authoritarian left has gone so far 
It has pushed moderate people to vote for a guy who has no business being in the White House because it was basically moderates who were the ones who put Trump in because the bases are going to vote for who they vote for, right? The moderates are who sway elections in this country. But the shit got so crazy on the other side that they said, you know what? Let's just blow up the whole system and vote for this reality TV show guy. Screw it. Screw it. At least he's not calling everyone a damn racist. That's it. So um, that's, that's what I think happened. But anyway, I, I have no idea who's going to win. There's like 480 people running for the Democrats. And I don't know which one of them is going to run against, um, <laughs> against Trump. But I'm probably not going to vote for either of them. So there it is. Okay, guys. Um, Mark Wheeler says, I'm an AJ fan, but Wilder hits harder with one punch. But AJ puts shot to put shots together way better. I agree with you. I 100% agree. Again, Tyson, Holyfield. One made more money, got people a lot more excited. One had a much better career and looked much better when they finally fought head-to-head. -head. I think we're going to see that again with Wilder Joshua. All right, guys, that's it, man. We, I thought this was going to be a quick episode. It ended up being an hour and a half. But thank you so much for all you guys who uh, helped us out on Super Chat. Remember, get the word out about the Triple G Rolls Fight Party June 8th, a few days before my 40th birthday. And a reminder, I will be in Detroit for my 40th birthday. More about that later. For any of my Detroit peeps out there who want to meet up, guys, uh, thank you so much. Happy Memorial Day. I hope you enjoyed it. You had a great weekend with your family and loved ones. I appreciate you guys. Love you guys. I'll see you at the fights.